West Virginia sits at 3-1 and one on the season, and it's unexpected. But they have to travel to TCU this Saturday to take on the Horned Frogs. Can they continue their winning ways? Well, I'm going to bring on someone who covers the Horned Frogs, and we're going to talk about it right after this word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Dutch Miller Automotive, where friends and family pricing means you get the best deal right up front on any new or pre-loved vehicle in stock every time. With brands like Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Kia, Hyundai, Ford, GMC, Buick, and Subaru, the Dutch Miller Automotive family is always growing and ready to put you in the car or truck you've been searching for. Check out our inventory across West Virginia at DutchMillerAuto.com or come in today to the home of friends and family pricing only at a Dutch Miller Automotive store near you. What is up, college sports fans, Big 12 fans, fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? Welcome in to another edition of Kuzma's Corner. Belly yourself up to the bar and let me serve you up a shot of top-shelf college football content. On tap in today's episode, we are going to talk about the West Virginia game against TCU coming up this Saturday. The game will kick off at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time, and will air on ESPN2. Bringing, bringing on, I'm bringing on a guest to discuss this. Her name is Melissa Trebwasser. Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm doing well because you nailed it the first time when we were talking <laughs> pregame and you, you you hesitated. You doubted your gut feeling there of bringing me in, but you, you got it. You got it right. Yeah, I did. Thank you. Yeah, I did hesitate a minute. I was like, gosh, I, I got to now that we're live, I got to get it right. You know, anyway, um, just real quick before we dig into the content, uh, just tell everybody where they can find you and what you do. Yeah, you can find me over at the Coach Melissa on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's where, you know, you can get all my terrible hot takes during uh, TCU football games and, and other random sporting events. Um, and then uh, I catch my podcast, Frogs Insider, which I host with Jamie Plunkett um, on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Network um, shows for all, uh, I think, 13 Division One schools in the state of Texas. So it's a really fun thing to be a part of. And, and Dave Campbell's and Texas Football been synonymous for decades so it's really really awesome to be a part of that channel and i uh, have that name associated um with mine which seems completely unreasonable and ridiculous but here we are <laughs> i hear you. absolutely well i'm sure you've earned it or, or you wouldn't be there um let's dig right into or i'm it. just a good talker it's one yeah uh, well, I'm BS, maybe so, so I, one, right yeah that's what i tell yeah. people i can i can bs with the best of them uh let's dive right in man uh with tcu three and one west virginia three and one right uh Different different avenues to get there. <laughs> we haven't been able to score. You guys have been outscoring everyone. So kind of two different sides of the coin. But when you look at TCU, for me, as someone looking from the outside in as a non-TCU person, when I look at that Colorado game, I look at it as kind of an anomaly to, to a degree and a, and a kind of a fluke. Um, so explain to me, they gave up a lot of passing yards in that game, gave up a lot of points. But if you take that game out of the equation, would you still say that TCU's defense has struggled this season, or is was that? Do you agree with me that that game was kind of an anomaly? You know, we were talking about this on our Frogs Insider podcast um, that, that dropped Tuesday morning. Um, is that you know TCU's obviously the defensive effort in game one was uh, just bad. It was inexcusably bad. The tackling was poor. Something like uh, thirteen or fourteen missed tackles on that day. Um, just didn't look interested in trying to stop anything and. You know, Colorado obviously has a lot of offensive weapons. There was really no game tape on them, new offensive coordinator. So you can give all the excuses in the world as to why that game went the way it did. But at the end of the day, TCU didn't look ready. And 
they didn't look kind of energized to play. And, and Sunny Dyke said as much after that if, you know, you come out and there's two teams and one team plays like they want to win and the other team plays like they expect to win, the team that wants it's going to win. And that's exactly what happened that, that opening Saturday. But what we've seen in the three games since is incremental improvement, uh, better understanding of Joe Gillespie's system, guys being in the right place at the right time. And TCU's defense actually brought back a, a ton of players from a year ago, but they lost a couple of draft picks. And Travis Hodges right. Tomlinson, who was the Thorpe Award winner, and uh, Dylan Horton, um, who's playing you know defensive end for the Texans this year. And so we knew there were going to be some some struggles. There was going to be um, you know a little bit of kind of learning curve to go. Um, and we've seen that kind of progress at the rate that was expected the last couple of weeks. Now you have to factor in, you know, competition level. Nichols is an FCS team. Um, Houston is might as well be an FCS offense. It's, you think West Virginia's offense is incompetent. Um, uh, Houston's <laughs> going to give you guys a run for, for its money this year. Um, and then SMU, which actually is a pretty good offensive unit starting a young QB, but um, I think what they did against the Mustangs on Saturday is more of the TCU defense that we expected to see. That secondary has really come alive. Uh, Shad Banks uh, filled in for the injured Johnny Hodges at linebacker and is one of the freakiest athletes in college football, period. I mean, the dude's a linebacker returns kicks. Like, wow. not many teams have that going for them. So yeah. um, I, I think we're starting to see this team develop into what we expected them to be this year. The secondary looks alive. Um, still can't get any pressure in the defensive front. That's going to be a problem all season long. But yeah, I think I think we're starting to see this defense that should be at worst in the top half of the Big 12 overall. They're probably not going to be like West Virginia's defense, but they should at least be able to slow guys down, stop teams, and keep them under you know 20, 25 points pretty regularly. And the TCU offense can certainly outscore uh, 20, 25 points for against most programs in the Big 12. Right. Okay. Well, you mentioned you mentioned Shad Shad. Is that his name? Shad Banks. Mm-hmm. Um. Shadrack, yeah, Shad Banks. Shadrack, Shad. Okay, well, he's he's obviously replacing Johnny Hodges, which actually segues into my next question. I saw a tweet uh, that someone named C.J. Vogel put out this morning, showing the uh, Big Twelve missed tackle board through Week Four, and TCU sits at twelfth in the Big Twelve with fifty-one missed tackles already on the season. So you, you mentioned that when that you were tracks. talking a minute ago. Yeah, does that tracks? Does um uh, number one, if Johnny Hodges is able to come back this week? Will that help that number? And two, do you think he will be back this week? So, I mean, if you look at the first three games, uh, you know, Johnny Hodges had about as many missed tackles as anybody. Um, you know, this is this is not the fastest kid on the field at the linebacker position. Johnny's an incredibly smart player, super intelligent, super disciplined. Um, but but definitely, you know, he's, he's not had the start of the season that he had the finish of last season, right? Okay. And so I think that – um, him and Chad Banks bring such different things to the football field. And what, what ideally, so a season ago, TCU played with four healthy linebackers. Uh, they had no depth. Um, you got three guys on the field. You had four guys eligible. Um, and this year, that's one of the biggest differences is not only did you move Nnamdi Obiezar down from the safety position, but you got Zach Marchicelli back. You got, you know, Shad Banks back. You're getting a little bit of Marcel Brooks. Um, you, you know, Terrence Cooks is is able to play. You've got really a two-deep rotation at all three positions. Um, and so the mixing and matching that Joe Gillespie is able to do situationally, I think, is, mm-hmm. is a huge part of the success. Johnny is, is kind of week to week right now with, a I think, it's a hand injury. Um, I, I don't know. I, there's nobody tougher in college football. I really believe that, that. I mean, that dude was playing tape together with duct tape and pipe cleaners for most of last season. And he still was out there almost every single week, which is pretty cool. Um, so if he can play, he will. Um, but I think that, you know, where he's disciplined and intelligent and understands his assignment and executes his assignment most of the time, Shad is just 
just a freak. He's just super athletic, super quick. He's better in coverage than Johnny. I think even Johnny would admit that, um, you know, Johnny's probably a little bit more solid in the run game. Um, and both okay. of them are, are pretty decent pass rushers and, and blitz packages. But I think we'll still see a lot of Shad Banks, even if Johnny is able to get back on the field in a part-time role. And I think that's probably the future of that linebacker unit is those guys splitting snaps, depending on a, who they're playing, be what the situation is and, and see if, you know, if, if Joe Gillespie needs to shake things up and cause some problems and, you know, against a younger quarterback at West Virginia, I think, I think Shad Banks is more kind of the pin your ear, ears back and raise some hell kind of player. So I think we'll see a lot of him on Saturday night. That makes sense. And, and you mentioned stop the run too. We all know West Virginia wants to run the football. That's their bread and butter. They want to play keep away, ball control, milk the clock, let their defense do their thing. So if, with, with that being said, Shad Banks, it sounds to me like, might be uh, – or I'm sorry, Johnny Hodges might be a better option there when it comes to stopping the run than Shad Banks. But, yet Shad Banks might be better at, at rushing the passer. So, do you think that will lead to Gillespie getting getting uh, Hodges on the field more frequently, maybe? Well, I think – I think the X factor here is non-DOBAZAR. Um, you know, I mentioned him earlier. He's a kid that was playing safety a year ago. He added some good weight, and he has been a tackling machine. I mean, he is just all over the field, and I think that what he can do against the run in West Virginia is going to be just as crucial as what anybody else can gotcha. do. Um, I've been super, super impressed with his play so far, um, and I think that, that he's a guy that, that can really make some plays against that run uh, run game of West Virginia. And him and Jamoy Hodge, uh, who's another guy who just mm-hmm. fills gaps, hits people really, really hard. Um, I think those two guys can make up for, even if you ha- don't have Johnny Hodges on the field, um, the, the athleticism, the size, and, and just the, just the, the, the hit the hard hitting that those two guys bring, I, I think will be enough. So I said, I, I think we'll see a lot of different guys on the field, but, but I have a ton, if Johnny can't play, I have a ton of confidence in, in what Nambi and, um, uh, Jamoy have been doing so far through the early, really the last couple of weeks, we've seen them really turn it up. Both of them looked awful in game one and you know everybody looked really bad on that side of the ball in game one I mean even even Josh Newton and and Bud Clark who are two of TC's best secondary players got torched time and time again so um, I I think I think the run defense has been really underrated for the Horned Frogs so far they've given up some big plays through the air but when you look at what they did against Houston which is a run first team I Mm -hmm. I was super impressed by uh, by that overall performance not just against a good running back but a really good running quarterback too they really bottled that up and they've been able to make teams pretty one-dimensional um Mm-hmm. And, and, and they haven't played, you know, they, they've had a couple games where they didn't play great passing attacks, but what they did to SMU in that passing game and that running game on Saturday, uh, I think is more of what we can expect for them against West Virginia on Saturday night. Yeah. And that's what I was looking at. That, that worries me a little bit in this matchup because West Virginia does want to run the football. And if they make us one dimensional, which is what all teams are trying to do now, it's no secret. They're going to load the box. They're going to make West Virginia throw the football with this young quarterback and with this passing attack that really has not been able to do a whole lot. I mean, we've passed for under a hundred yards, I think two games in a row now, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I know we did last week against Texas Tech. So, that being said, you guys, your secondary was supposed to be one of the top in the country coming into this season from from everything I read in Field Steel and others. Has that been a little bit of a letdown for them or for you guys this year? I mean, other than that Colorado game, I think they've played pretty well. Um, you know, the, throw Nichols out the window, sure, as, as an FCS opponent. But, um, you know, Houston is a terrible passing attack. Like, it's, it's very bad. Donovan Smith, God bless them. Um, but they do have one of the best wide receivers uh, in college football, Matthew Golden. And Bud Clark gave up a big completion on a third and long that ended up going for, I think, 50 yards. But other, that was really the only big play that Houston had all day long. They had a couple of interceptions. Had a couple of interceptions against Preston Stone, who who has a great arm. Is, is going to be – he's 
he's young, right? There's always a caveat, right? Like, mm-hmm. but but he certainly is is one of the more talented uh, pure passers, I think, in kind of in in uh, football this year. Uh, and as he grows, you're going to see him really come alive and 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 grow into that role. But um, you know, Bug Clark and, and Josh Newton have have really stepped up over the last two or three weeks. I've been really impressed with what they've been doing. Um, both, you know, just just in, in coverage and then making big plays, turning teams over. They've had, I think, uh, Bud's had two two or three straight games with an interception. Uh, you know, Josh Newton had his first pick of the season. Um, so I, I think we've seen that that group kind of set up. Now there's still some issues in the back half of the secondary. Um, you know, Jamal Johnson, a true freshman, got a lot of snaps against SMU because um, uh, you know uh, Miller Bradford and, and Josh Newton have both had opportunities to kind of play that role and haven't quite kind of grabbed it. So there's still some mixing and matching going back up there. It's still, you know, kind of Channing Canada and Avery Helm are splitting snaps opposite of Josh Newton at the cornerback position. There's still some, some areas that don't feel fully firmed up and where there's still a little bit of uh, some question marks on that. But overall, I think that that group has really, really come together over the last couple of weeks um, and, and their performance against SMU's explosive passing attack, I thought was really, really exceptional. And so um, I, I think what they'll be able to do against West Virginia is kind of what they did against SMU is they're going to try to, like you said, try to force them to run the ball. It's what everybody's been trying to do to the Mountaineers with, with success, although West Virginia still find a ways to win games. Um, if they can avoid those big explosive plays and keep that run game in check, then, then I think it can be, like we said, kind of at the beginning, one of those lower scoring games than mm-hmm. most anybody expects because uh, yeah. we know the West Virginia defense is going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm not, I'm not, if I was a TCU fan, I would not be real concerned about the West Virginia passing attack. Our receivers so far, now they could improve. Um, and we've got a few youngsters who have not gotten a lot of snaps yet who who could be playmakers for us. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I was okay. getting asked a question. Can you repeat that no question again one more time? I'm oh, so I was sorry. just saying, no, no worries. I understand. Uh, I appreciate you taking time to do this. Do you Are you concerned about our pass-catching tight end, Cole Taylor, and the matchup problem he could, he could be for TCU's linebackers and safeties? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that he's definitely one of the best weapons in the passing game for for the Mountaineers. And and TCU's had some problems historically with the tight ends and that three three five defensive of Joe Gillespie. I think that that's a area you can exploit, and that's where it's going to be really interesting. Like TCU's safeties aren't overly big. Um, you know, you look at, at Mark Perry, who plays more in the run game, which I think you'll see him down towards the line of scrimmage a lot. And so that's going to open up some some openings in the back half too for for West Virginia to get that if they can leak that tight end out and make some of those big plays mm-hmm. get him down the field. That could definitely be. Um, an, an area where where the Mountaineers can have some success on on Saturday night, um, and that's where it's going to be really interesting to see what this linebacker situation. You know, Shad Banks is not great in coverage, but he's not terrible. Um, Namdi Obiazar is pretty decent because again, he's a former uh, safety, and so he's mm-hmm. he's great in coverage. If they can get that matchup, then I think that that can you know at least kind of be equal footing for for both you know the offense and the, and the defense there um and then you do that want to get jamoy hodge and coverage on a, on a tight end that's a very very bad thing for tcu so if, if they can kind of scheme that up for west virginia then i think that that could definitely lead to some big plays down the field um the safe the safety is going to you know it's going to be the question bug clark um you know we, we see him get a lot on on slot receivers I'd, I'd expect him to play more inside but i wouldn't be shocked too if, if joe gillespie schemes up a way to get him matched up on some of those uh plays down the field against against the tight end as well um but yeah, I think if there's an area that West Virginia is going to have success in the passing game, that that's probably their best avenue to attack is with that tight end. Um, or, you know, as as with any team, if you have a, like a really elite speed on the outside, I think TCU secondary is uh, susceptible to that. At least they've shown to be so, so far this season. Okay. And uh, you mentioned, now TCU has been able to sack the quarterback a lot this year. Um, is that mainly because of your of the pass rush from the linebacker spot, or is it mainly, is it, is it the defensive front getting pressure? 
It's definitely not the defensive front. Um, I think that's still been now. Now, will I say that? But um, we have seen some improvement in that area. They, I mean, you know, Shadur Sanders had literally all day to throw in that Colorado game. I mean, there were times when it felt like I could have gotten. I was on the field, you know, as a photographer. I could have dropped my camera, gone into the backfield, and probably run a route and gotten open. Um, you know, in the amount of time that he had sitting back there in the pocket. Um, we've seen that improve, but we also saw Preston Stone had some really clean pockets. Um, you know, Saturday as well, and so. When TC is able to get pressure, it's because Joe Gillespie's getting creative. He's sending blitzers. He's sending players from other positions. Um, you know, they're, they're not able to just generate a, a pass rush with that three-man front, um, which, you know, is not all that surprising. And that's not really what the three-three-five is is built to do right. anyways. Um, right. Really, really waiting to see uh, TCU develop an, an elite edge rusher, at least a, a you know, a kind of an above average edge rusher. Um, but you're going to have to contend with Dominic Williams, who's been so, so good once again. He started as a true freshman game one a season ago at 17 years old. He's maintained that starting position at, at nose tackle. And, and he's just a space eater. He, he demands double and triple teams pretty much every single time he's on the field. And we were hoping that would open up some stuff for Paul Oyewale, who who is super athletic and, and long and rangy, but hasn't quite um, you know, he's still raw. He's still learning. He's, he's still growing, but he's starting to, we're starting to, things start to click for him. Um, and then on the other side, guys like um, Rick DeBrow, um, Caleb Fox and, and others have, have been fine, but they're certainly not generating um, pass rush and kind of one-on-one matchups. And I think that's what we're waiting to see. So TC does have to, it's kind of a risk reward thing. And you can do that. I think against West Virginia, you can send an extra guy mm-hmm. because you're not as worried about the passing game. Um, and so I think we'll see a lot of blitzes, a lot of the right. linebackers. And then I mentioned Mark Perry and, and some of those safeties coming down the line of scrimmage as well, which is probably where they'll be playing regardless because they'll be loading the box against that running attack. Right. Now let's switch to the other side of the ball real quick. Um, TCU's offense, which is probably what you want to talk about the most because that's what's been the most impressive. Um, and if I was a fan, that's what I would be excited to talk about as well <laughs> or someone who covered a team. But uh, first of all, has Chandler Morris lived up to expectations? And do you feel like he's, you know, he's doing a good job leading this team? I think it's a great question. I think it's a fair question. And and I kind of, I kind of ate crow on our podcast this week too. If you guys want to check out the Frogs Insider and listen to me say I was wrong, uh, something I have to do quite a bit, but I think that, that there were so many questions around Chandler Morris. Um, you know, we saw him win the job in camp and, and people that were at practices will tell you it wasn't even close um, that, that he was QB one by a mile. And then he gets hurt and Max Duggan goes on the run that he goes on. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Chandler's had a really hard time staying on the field historically. He's never started more than two games in a season until this year. It's, it's, you know, he's an older guy and, and we saw him out there at Colorado, you know, not, not getting to a second and third reads, making some poor decisions. There's two interceptions in the end zone. And you think, man, maybe this guy isn't it. Maybe he doesn't have it. Um, and then you see him get comfortable and, and play some more football and get some more snaps under his belt. And all of a sudden he looks, he's, he's looking down the field. He's making a second, third and fourth read. He's using his legs um, to extend plays and to pick up mm-hmm. first downs. I mean, he was unbelievable on third down against Houston when it came to running the football. I mean, just, he was making the right decision almost every single time comes out against SMU in a big, you know, a big emotional game and, and doesn't turn it over for the first time this season. And so, um, you know, he made some, he's made some exceptional reads um, down in the red zone. TC's red zone offense is still really, really struggling. And so there's some execution and some play calling issues there. But overall, I mean, you look at the numbers, he's leading like one of the top two leading passers in the big 12. He's throwing t- like, you know, two, three touchdowns every single game. Um, he's completing almost 70% of his passes right mm-hmm. now. I mean, there are a lot of things that he's doing well. And the most important thing is he's staying on the field. And so right. 
Um, you know, is, is he is he going to make a run to to New York like Max Duggan did? Probably not. But is he showing that he can really efficiently and effectively lead this offense down the field um, between the twenties, unquestionably? And I think the red zone is getting better. So I've also seen him drop in some absolutely beautiful long balls too. I mean, he had two long touchdown passes against Houston where he could not have put the ball in a better position. I mean, just really, really did a great job. Found his tight ends really successfully um, against SMU as well, which was good to see. I mean, he is growing and getting better every single week. He's getting more comfortable in the Kendall Bryles offense. Um, you know, I think he's still trying to establish who his number one receiver is. Um, he's found J- Jared Wiley, I think, is a great security blanket mm-hmm. for him and would be for anybody. I mean, you got a six, seven tight end that can run like yeah. Jared Wiley. You're going to find him, right? You, you guys know how important yes. a good tight end is. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that, that the Chandler Morris that we all expected to see when he arrived in Fort Worth is finally starting to show up on Saturdays. And if he continues to, to have this incremental improvement week by week, then, you know, he's, he's, the competition's going to get tougher. I mean, it's the best defense he's going to see on Saturday night. And so every week is a new test for him. And I think we all kind of go in thinking the best, but, but kind of taking a wait and see approach. But I think it's really fair to say that Chandler Morris has been, you know, the quarterback that TCU needs and the quarterback that TCU expected to see when he, when he arrived in Fort Worth. And I've been really, really impressed with the things that he's done. Um, he's going to have to get better as is the entire TCU offense, but you can't really complain when they're putting up 400, 500 yards pretty regularly against, you know, m- mediocre defensive competition. But I, I mean, there's still 11 guys out there trying mm-hmm. to stop you and TCU's effectively right. moving the ball um, down, up and down the field. So that's, that's something that um, it, it's hard to argue that, that he's not been the straw that stirs the drink. Right. Now, when you look at uh, TCU's offensive line, one of the things West Virginia's defense has hung its hat on is getting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. We've done it pretty much every game this year. Uh, it, it was it was even able to get some pressure on Penn State's quarterback. He was just able to beat it because uh, he's just he's just good. Yeah, that kid's one. good. He's going to be so good. Yeah, he's awesome. But anyway, um, do you what kind of confidence do you have in that TCU offensive front to to keep? Uh, yeah, not to, not a to lot. Keep Chandler um, clean and also yeah. and also run the football. Yeah, so TCU's run the football exceptionally well. The run blocking um, from the offensive line has been better than we anticipated, but that's also because Imani Bailey has been ungodly. Yeah. Like, that dude has yeah. been so good. Um, he scares I, me. I think you can make an – yeah, he he should, and, and he scares – he should scare everybody. I mean, it, you can make an argument he's the best running back in the Big 12. There's some competition. I mean, we saw what DJ Giddens did for Kansas State against UCF. I mean, you, you guys have a great running game as well, but – but, you know, Imani Bailey is the first running back in like 15 years or something that has run had 20 carries for three consecutive games or something or three out of his first four games. So he's been the bell cow for TCU. And um, even the, the offensive line has done a great job in the run game. But even when they haven't, he's just a guy that can make things happen. He's he's mm-hmm. super, super talented. Um, so I, I think that, that that's an area where TCU's offensive line has been better than expected. Um, when you look at the pass protection, it's been really up and down. Now they're dealing with some injuries, some bumps and bruises. You know, they're, they're two returning guys, um, Brandon Coleman, and um, I just totally blanked on his name. But, um, you know, they, they, they've got some vet, some veterans there that have, have been um, – have not quite played up to the level that we expected. Um, and, and so that's going to be an issue. You bring in a lot of um, a lot of transfers on that line. Willis Patrick came from Jackson State, has been really, really good. Um, you know, on, on the left side, um, you know, Colton Geary was a guy that we thought would have a, have a big role. And, and he's kind of been, you know, he's, situationally, he's played some snaps. But this is a group that has to get better. They have to do a better job of protecting Chandler Morris. There hasn't been a ton of pressure on him. But like you mentioned, like that's something that West Virginia really excels in. And so this is going to be a huge test. Um, you know, I think that they've been satisfactory to this point. But one of the things that made TCU's 2022 season so special was just how absolutely nailed that offensive line is 
was, you know, week in and week out. And, you know, when you've sent three of those guys to the NFL, when you have a Steve Avila, who is a second round pick and starting for the Los Angeles Rams. Now you expect that unit to be really good. And they, they were unbelievable. They also pretty much played together every single game. And that makes a huge difference on the O-line too. So this is a group is still a work in progress. Um, you know, they have talent. They have ability. They've got good size, um, but they have some growing to do. And I think we'll see on Saturday if, if they've you know been able to improve enough to be successful and keeping Chandler upright and and keeping him on the field because that's going to be the difference for TCU this year. Right. Okay. One more question for you, then I'll let you go. Uh, we haven't talked about the wide receiver position. I know Chandler likes to spread the ball around to a lot of different guys, mm-hmm. right? But who's the one wide receiver that West Virginia fans should probably be the most afraid of? Yeah, that's a great question. I have no idea. Um, it's, it's I, you know, we're seeing it's, it's kind of like the when you have two quarterbacks, you have none mm-hmm. situation, right. right? When you're spreading the ball around in nine, 10 different guys every game, does that mean you have nine or 10 different guys that are really good? Or does that mean you don't know who your alpha is? And right now, I don't think TCU knows who its alpha is. There's a lot of guys that do a lot of things really, really well. You know, I mentioned Jared Wiley. That's, that's probably the guy that you're going to see the most um, unless, uh, unless TCU gets some of these guys back. There's been a lot of guys that have been kind of on and off the field. John Paul Richardson is, is Chandler's roommate. You know, he's a slot receiver and he's a very, I mean, I think we're all familiar with him because he was at Oklahoma mm-hmm. state prior to TCU. Um, but he's got great hands. Um, he, he runs great routes. He's the guy you always know where he's going to be. Um, but he's been hampered by injury. You know, he just had one catch on Saturday and he's been kind of in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, Savion Williams is, is the six foot three guy that looks like he should be wide receiver one on the field, but he really hasn't kind of been able to consistently string together drives where he's been an impact player, had a beautiful touchdown catch against um, Houston. And, and then I, I honestly, I was, I was, I was coaching myself on Saturday, so I didn't get to watch a ton of the game. He didn't have a catch on Saturday. I'm not sure if he played. I know he's been dealing with a few things too, injury and illness wise. So, um, but he's a guy that we all wanted to be kind of the lead dog and he just hasn't quite gotten there. Um, when you look overall, it, it just kind of who is who is leading the team. You know, JP has uh, 14 receptions. Warren Thompson, who's an Arkansas uh, transfer, has kind of shocked everybody. He barely got on the field at Arkansas, but, um, you know, he's got 12 receptions for TCU. Wow. He's a guy Chandler really feels comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, especially in downfield plays. Uh, Jalen Robinson is, is another transfer that, that's, you know, when he's on the field, he's really effective. He's been banged up. Um, and then another guy that we saw kind of step into a big role is Major Ever- Everhart. You know, he's a, a smaller guy, he's a speed guy. He comes out of the backfield. Sometimes he can play in the slot. Uh, TCU has all the pieces. They've got the big guys on the outside. They've got the fast guys on the inside. But if you're trying to – it's not an offense where you can look and say, hey, if we shut down this guy, nobody else is going to make plays. It's kind of a like – what do we have to do to confuse Chandler so he doesn't know where his reads are coming open because he really will find anybody, but it's not like a season ago where you just knew, Hey, on third and nine, we're just going to chunk it up in the general direction of Quentin Johnson. He's going to come down with it. There's not that guy on this team so far. So uh, I don't know that there's one guy that I'd worry about. If I'm, if I'm an opposing defense, I'm saying I'm keeping Chandler in the pocket and I'm stop. I'm trying to do everything I can to stop Imani Bailey until you can, until they can prove that they can, they can kind of exploit some mismatches on the outside. Um, TCU's gotten those big explosive plays pretty consistently, like I said, between the twenties. But mm-hmm. the red zone offense just hasn't really come alive, and so that right. to me says we don't really know who who, who wide receiver one is, and who's going to be the guy that ultimately uh, you have to really watch for in those situations, those big time situations, right. those big conversion opportunities. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Melissa, uh, I know you got, I know you have to run, but uh, real quick before you go, you want to plug your stuff one more time. 
Yeah, and you can catch the Frogs Insider podcast. We drop our uh, normal show usually on Mondays. It was Tuesday this week. Um, and then we do a midweek preview show um, that comes out on Thursdays where, where we give you guys insight on the coming week. Um, you can find that on Frogs Insider at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on the Dave Campbell's Public of Football Network. Um, and those, uh, you can find not just our show, but every school in Texas. And you can find me on Twitter or X at the Coach Melissa. All right, awesome. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to jump on here and educate us a little bit about, about TCU football and what to expect this Saturday. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm Melissa. not. I think it's going to be awful. <laughs> really, really stressful. And, like, these games always are. I, I think TCU think TCU will find a way to win, but I think we're all going to be tied up in knots for most of it. Yeah, yeah. I actually think uh, – I actually, I actually don't – I actually feel like TCU will probably probably win the game too. I don't think it'll be eleven points like the spread's saying right now, but I do think yeah, it's too high. It's too high. I, I yeah. do think I do think TCU has a little bit of an edge here because of their passing game and and yeah. our struggles. And a night uh, game, a night game yeah. in the black uniforms. I, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I give it I give it to TCU here, but I I, right. I think I'm going to hate it for three quarters, and then the frogs manage to pull away. In yeah, the and I think it'll be close. Guess. I do think it'll be a close game. Yeah, though, and, and a low scoring game. Well. With that being said, Melissa, I will let you go and get back to, get back to your day. And again, thanks for coming on. And I will link your your work to in the description box if people want to go listen awesome. to your podcast and listen to your preview show. Awesome, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Melissa Trebwasser. I think I got it right again. I've heard. Uh, anyway, uh, go check out her work. She does a really fantastic job over there uh, on the. Frog Insider Podcast. So go check out her work. Follow her on, on X. Uh, communicate with her there. Just really knows really knows TCU football and knows the game of football in general. But uh, just to give you my in, individual thoughts here and kind of give you my score prediction here at the end, uh, when I look at this, first, when I look at the West Virginia offense against the TCU defense, I'm really concerned. Yes, the TCU defense has struggled to stop teams, but like Melissa said, it's mostly been through the air, and it was mostly in that Colorado game. But when you look at the Colorado game, I mean, they had no film to watch in Colorado. Colorado had a bunch of new players. Nobody knew what to expect with this team. I mean, how do you how do you watch film on this team? I mean, because it was a totally different coaching staff, totally different team, totally different players. It would have been really, really hard to know what to expect going into that game. So, and and Colorado's offense is explosive. There's no way around it. There's no way to hide it. There's no sugarcoating it. They are explosive. At least they were <laughs> first couple games of the season. Oregon. Uh, until they run into that bus saw in Oregon. But that being said, or Colorado did carve them up. But let's face it, it was all done through the air. And West Virginia does not have that air attack to attack TCU downfield. Okay? And TCU, like Melissa said, has done a really good job, for the most part, of limiting the team's run game. Now, they have not played a team, in my opinion, that can run the ball as well as West Virginia can and have not faced an offensive line as good as West Virginia. So I do think West Virginia will be able to run the football with some success. But until our offense can prove that they can throw the ball down the field and be successful in the passing game, teams are going to stack the box against West Virginia. And I think TCU will do the same thing. And I'm still not ready to say that West Virginia can beat teams throwing the football yet. And I don't think they're going to be able to. And this defense that West Virginia has been playing, yes, it's been great. You could almost say it's been elite. But I don't think they've played an offense as good as TCU's yet. Now, maybe Texas Tech's offense is that good. So far, they've not proven it. But I, I still think TCU's offense is better because of Imani Bailey. And I think Chandler Morris is a better quarterback than what Texas Tech had in Tyler Shuck and even in Baron Morton. 
Now, can the West Virginia defense step up and hold this TCU offense to under 20 points? I don't think they can. And it's not a knock on West Virginia's defense, but it's hard for a defense to play that good week in, week out, especially on the road and especially against the offense as explosive as TCU's. And so I, I just think at the end of the day, West Virginia's defense is going to be trusted or leaned on, rather, to do way more than any defense should again this week. And at some point, the defense is going to wear down and, and give up some points, give up some touchdowns. Like with to Jared Wiley, to folks like Imani Bailey, this team is so good in the pass game and in the run game too, for that matter. I just don't know that West Virginia can stop them for an entire 60-minute game. I just I just think it's too much to ask. And when, when the offense is not doing their part, and I just – I worry that the offense is still going to struggle this week. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, TCU is going to pull out a win here because it is in TCU. It is a night game. The crowd's going to be wild. TCU's been getting 50,000-plus at about every game this year. They've been – their crowd has been showing up and showing out this week. So for that, uh, the last line I checked had TCU at minus 11 in the game. I do not think it'll be an 11-point spread. I'm looking at more of a 24 to 17 game here. I, I still think West Virginia's offense struggles to get to 20 points, and I think TCU's offense will get to 20 and exceed 20. I think it's a 24-17 game. The over/under on the game right now is 51. Obviously, 24 to 17 is 41 points, so I don't think it gets to the over over/under of 51. I would, if it was me, if I was betting, I would take the under on this game, just because, like Melissa and I talked about, you've got West Virginia's stingy defense. And you've got West Virginia's offensive struggles to move the ball. I think it leads to a low-scoring affair. I want to hear your your score prediction. Drop your score prediction down in the comments section and let me know your thoughts on this game. Do you think West Virginia can pull out this game against TCU? And if, and if you're a TCU fan watching this, do you think TCU can continue their winning ways? So let me know your thoughts in the comment section. Which team do you think pulls out the win? I was wrong last week. I picked West Virginia to lose against Texas Tech. I'll be happy to admit I was wrong. I'm glad to admit I'm wrong when we pull out a win. Please support me here on the channel if you have the ability to. There's ways you can do it. You can join my channel. Uh, if you're watching this, depending on what platform you're watching it on or what device, there should be a join button below you can hit to become a channel member. Join the Kuzis Corner VIP Club. Just like the fine folks you see scrolling along the bottom of the screen now, this is my club level members, which is the $4.99 a month level. There are special perks that go along with being a channel member. And then also there are the pub level members, which is $2.99 a month. There are also some perks that go along with that, like member shout outs and recognitions like you see below. You can also support me. Oh, and by the way, if you want to join and the join button is not available to you because you're watching on a certain device, I will leave a link in the, in the description box and or the comment section for you to hit if you want to become a channel member that should get you to a screen where you can join the channel. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can do that by hitting the heart button below with has a dollar sign in it. That's where you can make a one-time donation or check out the PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App links in my description box. I also have a merch store, and I also have a link where you can do your fanatic shopping and help me out that way. If you want to support me free, guys, you can do that too. Start by liking the video, by hitting the thumbs up button, share it with your family and friends, drop that comment below, leave your score prediction, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. That's another way you can help me out. It all helps the YouTube algorithm and helps me grow. With that being said, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Kuz's Corner. And until the next one, Q Country Roads.